Are we living in a spiritual battlefield? Let's pop a top on this. Such a passionate exhale. Cue the music. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. There's a war going down. Put your shield and your armor on. Pick up your sword. Gather your strength from the only one. Pick up your sword. Gather your What's up, guys and gals? I'm Carl. I'm Sonny. I'm Micah. And I'm Chris. And you're listening to another episode of Digging Deeper, a Bible study series brought to you by Broken Record Ministries. Do that so good. Set the level for us, Chris. All right, this is going to be a kind of a softball one, so we're going to see how it goes. I mean, it's not a softball joke. It's just, it should be an easy one. Okay. How or why do Christians never lose their computer files? I don't know. Yeah. I feel like you said it was a softball to insult all of us. No, you know? it's, it's... You knew it was going to be hard. When I say it, you're going to be mad. Oh, okay. I think Ryan's going to like this one. All right. Because Jesus saves. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of your best. That was pretty good, I got to say. There you go. Sorry. No, you're good. So this week, we're going to be digging into Daniel chapter 10. But before we drop the needle on that, what's on your mind, guys? Ooh, that was a pin drop. Yeah, that was a big pin drop. Well, I came prepared with something because normally you're like, what's been on your, what's been new in Chris land? So I was prepared today. Well, now we got a, a whole I, four people. Yeah, but I, that's, exactly. By the I way, wanna... Micah, this is the first time you've been on Broken Record Ministries. You've been with yes. us before we joined Broken Record. I want to introduce you to the audience. This is Pastor Micah, a good friend of mine. Um, great insight. Super intelligent. He's oh, going to blow us all away. Oh, set that bar real I high. I, I uh-huh. guess yeah. the pressure's on now. Yeah, it is. Man. Way up there. <laughs> I bring it down. He brings our average back up. Yeah. There well, I don't know there. about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to steal. If That's it, why we if, brought Sonny on. Yeah. 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 Average, out. average is all get out over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That is all right. Well, so, I mean, I don't want to steal anybody's like time. But, you go. All right. So kind of playing off kind of what we talked about last week. Um, but um, and I thought and I think this has been brought up before on on broken records. But um, so, you know, as you guys know, I lived a number of my li- a number of years of my life, like out, what you would consider outside the Christian faith. Like I knew who Jesus was, you know, but the company that I kept and the things that I did wasn't really reflective, reflective of a Christian lifestyle. So I, I've run into a situation quite often where, you know, people that, and I, and I mentioned this too, where like one of the biggest like gut checks for me was when I, when I, when we started this way back up, you know, over a little over a year ago, when somebody even said to me, well, I didn't even know you were a Christian. It's like, Right. I'm about to start a Christian podcast. (laughs) Like, so, so now that turns into dealing with, you know, the people that knew you and it's like, you know, you're doing that 180, right. You're turning your life around and they, and, and and I do this too. I'm kind of, and I'm, 
I, I'm a, I'm not a proponent of it, but I, but I, but I do do it is like, are, are you, are did you really turn your life around? Like, how can somebody go like from doing and saying one thing to just inside of a year doing and saying another, right? So what are you guys thoughts on that? I think we have a, like a pretty good diverse group here. So like, I guess I'm going to shoot it straight across the table to Micah. That's how would I, you, <laughs> how would you counsel somebody that came to you and said, Hey, you know, somebody new in the faith that was having these issues with people in their lives saying, you know, I don't see how you can change this quick or, you know, yeah, I mean, when God changes you, he makes radical changes in our life. And so that's the main, that's the catch all generic answer is right. that when God, when God changes you, he changes you. But I think it's what we're going to talk about in the second half of the podcast here, the spiritual warfare aspect. When we begin to grow and we begin to learn more about who God is, the devil begins to to attack that. And so the, all those negative things that people say, well, how can you change in a year and how can you you know, go from being this person to being this person. How can you do that? That all those are lies of the devil that he wants to put into our brain and cause us to doubt our salvation or to doubt what God has done. And so the important aspect of it is to realize that, you know, God can make those changes in our life and he does make those changes in our life. And sometimes they are radical. Sometimes they're progress over time, but sometimes they are radical radical changes that he makes in our life to, to, to display who he is, display, you know, his, his, his awesomeness. And so I would encourage a new Christian new in the faith to stay with it. Don't give up. You know, Paul says, we talked about this in our Bible study last night, we're, we're downhearted, but we're not destroyed. You know, I mean, there's, there's things that are pressures on our lives. There's things that are, that are weighing heavy on us, but it doesn't completely destroy us. It's like our, our podcast, you know, we're broken but we're not cast out. We're not destroyed. You know, we're not completely, completely unraveled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the important aspect of walking, walking with him and growing in our relationship with him. I think it comes from a place of people not understanding how God works, the relationship with him. They mm -hmm. see it, they, they can't understand it from naturalistic means because yeah. they haven't seen change. They haven't experienced change. I, I, you know, I, I tried to witness to somebody just, just the other day. And that was what he brought. He's like, you believe in God, right? I'm like, oh yeah, of course. And he was like, you know, well, it's, it's hard for me because it's, I, I just have to take somebody's word for it. I had to take your word for it or, or the Bible's word for it. I'm like, it's, it's more than that. There's, there's experiences. Like I'm not a believer. I don't believe in God just because I read it on a page and I just trust, trust the ink. You know what I mean? Right. I've, mm -hmm. I've had personal experiences with him and yeah, I can't, my experiences aren't your experiences. I can't, I can't prove God to you based upon my personal experiences, but I can tell you it's a relationship thing. Yes. When he moves in your life, he does prove himself to you. He does show up in real radical ways. He does change you. He does, he does speak to you and confirm things to you and, and do things that can't be explained by natural means, you know, and all, yeah, all I can counsel somebody with on, on, on that is just, you got to seek him. You got to seek him with your whole heart. You know what I mean? And, and, and ask him to show up in your life and he will, but if, if you don't really want it, not much I can do with that. I can't talk somebody into the kingdom. Yeah. Right. I've had this happen a lot lately. Um, my, my life has changed dramatically in three months. Um, you know, three months ago, you guys would have looked at me and like, Oh, 
<laughs> you know, pray for that guy. Yeah, for real. Um, you know, I mean, just the look on my face, the way that I carried myself, the way that I, I, I lived my life was horrible. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was bad. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've grown so much in just a short amount of time that, that, um, God, it, it's only God, you know, uh, there's no explanation other than that. Um, my, you know, my life consisted of sitting at my house and, and drinking my life away. And then, you know, uh, Thursday I have 90 days. So I, yeah. And, uh, you know, my life, I've known, I've known Jesus. I've known God. I've studied, I've done a lot of, a lot of searching, a lot of, um, you know, my inner self throughout my life and then fell off, you know, done searching, fell off. Um, and that's what my life has consisted of for, I would just say the past 10 years is I really searched, I fell off. I really searched, I fell off. And then now the miraculous changes that I don't even, I don't even think about alcohol. I like, I'd, it don't tempt me anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was my, that was my miracle. That's my miraculous. And, uh, I, I thank God every day for it because I don't wake up wanting to dilute something or wanting to numb anything. I, I deal with the problems that I do have and, and whenever it comes down to an issue, it's like, God, where does this go? Where do I, where do you lead me? Where do you, where is this taking me? <laughs> so, yeah. but I think one of the keys to him showing up in your life in a big way, like he has your son, is what you said. You thank him every day. He knew when he took that away from you that you were in a place where you would be truly thankful to him for it. And a lot of times I think people complain that he's not showing up for them. Maybe it's because you're treating him like a genie in a bottle. You need him. And and you're all about crying out to him when you need him. But he knows that as soon as he gives you what you need, you're going to walk, walk away from him again. And, and maybe he's... If, if, if he doesn't, if he's not showing up in the way you want him to, or expect him to, maybe you're in a period of discipline. Maybe he's trying to get you to a place where you can actually be thankful for him when he does show up for you the way you want him to. Right. And I think people don't understand that. Like there's, there are so many different seasons of, of your life and growth and everything else. Like you search out God, you will find him Mm -hmm. in one way, shape or form or the other. And it may be just a moment of recollection that you have in like, Oh, that was God. Like that had to be God. And then there's some of them where it's a feeling inside you. Maybe it's tingling. Maybe it's, um, you know, just a sense of peace. Maybe it's a sense of joy. Um, but those moments are what changes us. And the moments like those, that's what, whenever we feel them, we have to, we have to recognize them and hold on to those because otherwise, you know, uh, we'll just go right back to the same way. Right. And whenever I feel them, like I even, tr- some of them I even write down, like I even have, have like a little notebook that I try to write some stuff down to where like, was that God? Is that God? Or was that just a happy moment, you know? Yeah. And I try to, I try to try to figure them out kind of, and, uh, more or less nine times out of 10, it's God. 
Yeah. And I, I appreciate those moments. Yeah. And it's the ones that where it's God and it's like, he's working on you on something. And then you're like, oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, okay, all right. That's one thing I got to work on. That's one thing that I got to change. And I think a lot of time when, a lot of times when people don't think that God's working in their life is because they don't like what he's saying. Yeah. They're, they're in discipline. You know what I mean? And and, that, and it's uncomfortable and they don't like it. So they push it away, back burn that, it. That kind of goes back to what we were saying last week. Is, is it a conviction or is it condemnation? Right. You know, and whenever you feel condemned, that that's a hard thing to deal with. And that's where people tend to walk away or just, you know, start living the worldly life again, mm-hmm. you know, but a conviction, you know, some of them, some of them ain't fun. You know, yeah, but, yeah. uh, you know, it depends on how you react to it. You know, if it's something that God is really working in your life on and, and, uh, he's going to change you one way or another. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're one of the chosen, chosen few that, you know, ends up becoming the people that God uses, he's going to work on you on a consistent basis. Yeah. And it's. It's not always going to be fun. No, it's, it's not, not going to be fun. If 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 you want uh, if you want to be one of those individuals that are out there really shining a light and drawing people to, people to the kingdom, that refining process is going to be tough. Huge. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, and you you brought up you know the the consequence. I heard you swallow in there, Chris. That Dang it! Really <laughs> Busted. I was like, oh, I'm it too is. close. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the difference between conviction and condemnation, and I think that's where people get get hung up a lot because that was one of the things that individual had told me that the reason he he kind of drifted away and, and had a hard time believing in God was because it was just always consequence all the time I'm like well there there are consequences brother you know when you know it's it's it, but it's a father-son relationship I'm like you know maybe you've been taught about God the wrong way he's not like this brutal taskmaster taskmaster hovering over you waiting for an opportunity to cast you into the pit right he's a he's a father and I'm like, you know, trying to explain that to somebody, it's hard sometimes because you don't know what their home life was like when they were a child. But, you know, it's like with, with my kids, I love them. I love them to death. My oldest is a is a pain right now. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> she is a pain. I don't kick her out of my house, though. There are consequences when she, when she disobeys or when she gets an attitude. But I don't throw her out of the house. I love her. I love her through it. And it's the same with the father. It's, it's, it's not... It's not condemnation consequence. It's disciplinary consequence out of love. There's a, there's a big difference between those two. Sometimes it's really hard to, to get people to understand that because they don't want any kind of consequence at all. I think people want all the blessing yes. and none of the none of the yes. none of the obligation. Right. They're not willing to go through the hard stuff. Right. And it takes the hard stuff to make the good stuff happen. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, you got to have a refining process. I think when we get into those moments, a lot of times we're not listening. You know, God is speaking to us. He speaks to us all kinds of different ways. I mean, we can have a whole podcast on how God speaks to us because he speaks to us through lots of different different means. And the problem, I think, is we don't listen. We Or we hear what he says, kind of like a teenager. You hear what the father says. You don't really like what the father says, so you're going to go off and do your own thing. And therefore, the consequences come mm-hmm. <laughs> because we've gone off and done our done our own thing, and so we haven't listened to the father. 
And I'm going through kind of a season right now where it's more about listening, you know, listening to what the father says, you know, instead of telling him, okay, this is the plan. Okay. This is my idea. This is where, this is where I want it to go. You know, God bless this plan. Well, the problem is it's my plan and God's going to say, I want it to be his plan. Right. Connecting it to what we're going to be talking about on the bottom half when we get into Daniel chapter 10, the spiritual warfare, I think that's why he allows that to come into our, to our world because he is sovereign. He could snap his fingers and put a stop to it any time. He chooses not to. And I believe that's why he brings that into our world. It is part of that refining process. I think we need to be brought to a decision point. Yes. Right? We need to be brought to that decision point where you can either go left and stray away, be given over to a debased mind, or you can go right and you can press into him and seek him. Unfortunately, few seek him because they don't, they don't like the, they like their sin. They like, to, they like to go their own way. And I think it, I think it takes those spiritual attacks to, to, to push us to that decision point sometimes. A pastor friend of mine, sorry, that was a big, big breath there. <laughs> pastor, I gotta get used to the new, gotta get used to the new mics. The pastor friend of mine, he used to, when we would counsel addicts and counsel people that were involved in, in pretty heavy, heavy stuff he would look at them and he would ask them this question. He would say, do you love your sin more than you love the savior? Because that's a challenging question. Mm -hmm. And that's the question that cuts deep to your, like you're talking about that cuts really deep into our, our soul is like, okay, where am I at? And I think it's a question for all of us. Do I love my sin more than the savior? And unfortunately, a lot of times it is. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I do love that sin more than I know what God says. I know what the father wants me to do, but I'm, not willing to go that far. Right. Well, and I went through a season where I, I'll be open, transparent, and honest. Looking back, I did love my sin more. Yeah. I was making excuses for it, and there were there were consequences. And I'm grateful for the consequences because I wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for the consequences. Yeah. You know, you've got to get to a place where you're grateful not just for the good things, but the the bad things too, because yeah. they have purpose also. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is the bad things have purpose, right? Yes. That's where a lot of your testimony comes in. That's where a lot of your your faith comes in. Because right. whenever those bad things happen, who do you rely on? Do you rely on yourself? Because you'll fail. You rely on yourself. You put it in God's hands. And there's there's no stopping it. Yeah. Right. You know, exactly. there there's so much power whenever you rely on God on the big things and the small things, yep. especially the small things, because then you think, Oh, I got this, yeah. you know, I, I'm good. I don't need you today, you know? And then it's like, Oh, you start far further in yourself, further in yourself, further in yourself, because you're like, Oh, I got this. Oh, I got this. I got this one too. I got yeah. this one too. And then, yeah, it's like that lyric. Uh, there's a song by NF called, Oh Lord. And there's one lyric where he says, I think I've mentioned it before, uh, but I, I keep going back to it. Go away, Lord. I'll call you when I need you again. Yeah. I think we approach him a lot. I was like just that. listening on the way here. Were you really? <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah. That, that lyric, that one line really gives to me because I, I look back on my life and how often un subconsciously did I approach him like that? Yeah. You know, when the, the enemy comes into my world, the enemy attacks, Oh God, save me. Father, please be with me. As soon as I'm comfortable again, right back to the pleasures, mm -hmm. right back to the things that he calls abominable. How often, like years I spent my life like that. And it's not even like you were saying, you know, uh, counseling, you know, addicts and everything else. And that's the thing that question can be asked to even pastors. 
Yeah. It, I mean, it could be asked exactly. to anybody, you know, anybody in the, in the faith. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a hard question. It is. You know, because it could be something very simple in your life or it could be something that, I mean, we could go to even money, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a big one for a lot of people, you know, that sure. they put so much time and effort into getting money to live a lavish lifestyle or, you know, be flaunting or is it to put back for your children or is it to put back for, you know, generations? I mean, depends on what kind of aspect you look at it as. Yeah. But. Chris? No, I mean, you just asked a question and you just went radio silent. No, it's all right. No, I was just listening. It's all, it's all really good. All really good answers. I mean, my, you know, my answer to the, to that would have been, I didn't use it as a testimony to, to his power. You know, if you're, if you're ever questioned on, you know, how can you be so transformative, you know, and how he can, he can be so transformative because he is, he quoting the joke, Jesus saves, you know, he, he mm -hmm. literally pulls you away from those lifestyles and pulls you away from those things. And, and then, uh, you know, then to further that it's, it's, you know, there's gotta be action behind the, you know, behind the, the, I had a really good phrase for this and I lost it <laughs> just now, you know, there's gotta be action behind the commitment. You know, you commit your life yes. to Christ, then you, you, that's not it, right? You just don't go, Oh, I'm saved. And then you go on about it, you start to, you know, study more and you read your Bible more, hang out with fellow Christians, and you really you slowly begin to scrub your life of things that aren't really progressing your faith. I think that's what people have a problem with. It's not like, you know, I'm not scrubbing people out of my life, but it's like there's certain things that, you know, that I'm doing less of. And like a good example is, you know, Carl, we took out all, you know, secular video games that had any kind of witchcraft, you know, demons, anything like the aliens, stuff like that, that anything that, you know, won't, won't share a space. I was like, there's merit to that. So I started doing that. And then people ask, well, why didn't you stop playing, you know, such and such game or how come I never see you on? And it's like, Oh, well, because of this. And they kind of like, they look at you like, well, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. now your, your true friends are going to be the ones that are, you know, that, Oh, okay, cool. Well, good for you. you. You know, you're getting squared away. And you know, there's going to be ones that, that don't really like that answer. But then you just, you use that, right? Yeah. That's the, well, totally. I kind of did the same thing after last week. Was it last week? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like now I try not to watch anything on TV with, you know, that has anything to do with cults or, you know, uh, demons or, you know, hauntings or, cause I, I was big on like paranormal kind of stuff there mm -hmm. for a long time. And now I'm trying to get away from that. And I don't know what to watch. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's <laughs> because, it's difficult, it, you know, I mean. so you try to cut some of that stuff out and then it's like, Oh, well, I don't know what to do now because, you know, part of me used to enjoy all that stuff. And mm -hmm. now it's like, you know, I kind of was convicted about it a little bit. And so now it's kind of a process trying to learn how to readjust all those things because now I sit in front of the TV and don't even look at it. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, honestly, as a side note, it kind of, kind of, it 
teaches me anyway how much time we dedicate to those things, like how much of a distraction it really is. You don't realize it. You know what I mean? Like looking back, I didn't realize how much how how much my life I was burning away in in movies and video games and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, three quarters of it, I bet. Mm-hmm. If we if we really did the math, three quarters might be a generous number. Right. To be honest, that I could have been dedicating to you know the maker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and see, that's a problem with me is like I I'm always am I spending enough time. Am I, am I spending enough time with God? Am I reading enough? Am I, you know, talking to him enough? Am I, you know, am I praying enough? Because sometimes prayer is a big thing for me. I don't spend nearly enough time in prayer. And see, that's the thing is like, I don't like there's sometimes whenever I close my eyes and I bow my head and, you know, I, I pray. And then there's sometimes to where it's just kind of a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't we've, we've had this exact same conversation. Yeah. 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 And like, I don't like, sometimes it's just more or less of like, Hey, you know, what's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and what's up with this? You know, how's what, why is this happening? Where's this going? Or, you know, um, thank you for this, you know, at little moments or something. But, um, I always feel convicted because am I, am I always, am I spending enough time? Am I reading enough? Am I learning enough? Am I growing enough? And, uh, you know, that's been a issue with me here lately is I don't feel like I am. I don't feel like I'm digging in enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's, it's kind of been a smack in the face a little bit, just like, Hey, um, Settle, settle down a little bit because you're doing as much as what you know how, right. you know, yeah. and you know, there's only so much that I can do without getting overwhelmed or feeling like I'm doing too much or, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's, right. it's, it, it, <laughs> it sounds like, you know, like, you know, going back to what we talked about with the spiritual warfare, that there's, you know, that monkey on your back is the devil in your ear saying, no, you're not good enough. Instilling that doubt. That's one of his greatest weapons is you're not doing enough. You know, and I think this kind of goes back to what we've talked about here, where we're we're so used to like quantifying everything in our life Mm -hmm. that we, a lot of us tend to put Jesus on a list. As long as we get Jesus done first, everything else after that's fine. But where we talk, we routinely talk about, making Jesus the focus of your life. So if you carry him with everything that you do, you're spending enough time with him. Right. If you, if he's, if you carry him throughout the whole entire day, you're spending time with him. You know what I mean? Right. And then, you know, in the prayer thing, you know, to coin a phrase, I, I'm sure someone else has coined this before, but I'm going to like, I'm going to go ahead and say, I did it. <laughs> You know, I look. At, I look. That at, seems unethical. Yeah, I, I don't know if if somebody can find where somebody else has said this before me. I'll give them the credit, but until then, I'm taking the credit for this one. <laughs> I look at prayers kind of macroly and microly. So microly, we ask for blessings for meals, for for healing for the for the sick, you know, for guidance in the podcast. But macroly, it's a conversation. You're always, it's prayers used for talking to God, whether that be on the way to work, on the way home from work, you know, in just in silence time and meditation, 
I think so to, to me that that's the, there's, there's the two forms of prayers, right? And I don't spend near as much time macroly as I should. Microly, yes, I say thanks for, you know, thank you for my food. Please, please help this person or help that person. But macroly is where, you know, I, I agree with Carl. I don't spend near enough time as I should. And I think that's a byproduct of having been away for so long. It's kind of hard to jump back in. Yeah. Well, it shouldn't be, but hard to break routine. Yeah. 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 That's, that's where God wants us anyway, is like you're talking about is yeah. that aspect of just a conversation because he is our heavenly father and we've mm-hmm. got to look at it as a relationship. And I think so often we get so structured in our prayers that we think that it has to be in this format or it has to be in these words or, and it's just simply a conversation like you're talking about, you know, or like Chris talked about, and I don't think we do enough of that as meditation. Spending yeah. time just reflecting and pausing, not saying anything, just, just reflecting. Listening. Yes, just listening to God, reflecting on who he is, reflecting on what he's doing in our life, what he's doing in the world, what he's doing around us and the circumstances around us. And it's those aspects that that are important. And I think that's where he wants to grow us to that point. So I think you're right on track and I think it's exactly what Chris said. The enemy puts those doubts in our mind. Yep. The enemy will get you busy and then yeah. it'll make you feel guilty for being busy. Yeah. It's oh, a vicious it, cycle. Because you can always do more. You know, we right. can always, I mean, there's always that one more phone call or that one more person to reach out to or that one more text message to send. Yep. There's always that, there's always that one more. So if we're thinking that way, then yeah, in our human minds, it's never going to be enough. Yep. But, and that's, that's the enemy of the, that's the lie of the enemy that tell us those things. Yep. I think too that, you know, I think you're kind of in a position where, you know, I've been in the same position, Sonny, where you're just, you're, you're taking in so much and you're feeding and you're, 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 you know, you're just going and going and going. And then, you know, you get to a point where human beings naturally slow down and then they kind of, you, you pace yourself a little bit more. So you're in, you're in it for the long haul. Whereas, you know, I think, you have a tendency to, to just like you said, well, am I doing enough? I don't want to get burnt out, you know, but so, so, but then, you know, you could, somebody could kind of realistically sit here and go, well, how would you ever get burnt out for God? <laughs> like that, like that's what would be a pain in your back in your mind. And you're like, well, that's a good question. How could I ever get burnt out for God? I must not love him enough. So I think that again, that doubt comes in and you just, it's just this self deprecating cycle that, deprecating did i say that right mm-hmm. you did sweet <laughs> <laughs> that you get into and you just you gotta break out of that you just gotta you know you know be gentle on yourself i guess right. yeah if you're getting to a place where you're burnout on god it's because you're treating it like work and not a relationship mm-hmm. right. and then that that requires a, a reevaluation and a readjusting of your perspective of him absolutely that's where god has me right now yeah <laughs> I'll just be real honest. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit it right in the head. That's where God has me right now. I'm working on those aspects. Yeah. Because I used to have think that too. Well, how could you ever be burnt out serving the Lord? And mm-hmm. here we are, you know, kind of like, oh man, here, do this. And like you said, you treat it more as a job than a than a love for the Savior. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's your nine to five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not what it is. It's right. It's a walk with him. Yeah. You know? Because that's not really a relationship either. No. If it's a job, then I mean, that's not part. That's, that's what you do. You know, it's about doing. Right. It's really about what Christ has already done for us. Right. 
So before we take our break, connecting this to what we're going to talk about again, we're going to, our, our focus for Daniel chapter 10, there's a lot of things we could focus on, but I think our main focus is going to be on the spiritual warfare aspect. And I believe based upon some things that we've discussed, Micah, that we're in a season of intense spiritual warfare. Absolutely. Um, you know, I had shared before back in July, he was laying on me that a storm was coming and I didn't know what he meant by that. Yeah. You know, I just knew the general time frame, roughly September, you know, and I'm expecting some, some big physical thing. And then I start seeing evidence of all these, this, this increase in demonic activity, spiritual attacks. I start talking to other people and they start seeing, they, they're seeing the same things from all, all over. Right. I don't know what it's leading to, but I, I think I know what the purpose is. And I think it, it comes down to what we've been talking about, getting people to that decision point. Because yep. I don't know about you guys. I've talked to a few people about this, and I think I know how you'd answer, Micah. I've noticed people behaving differently. Yes. A lot differently the past couple of months. Strange, yeah. honestly. Oh, I was just going to say, like, just people in general being nastier, because that's what I've kind of come yes. across. Is yeah. they're just, like, people are so nasty to each other now they are i hate to be that way but it's Mm -hmm. like i just i can't it's hard for me to take sometimes i've heard other you know you and i have talked about it privately micah you've seen it uh pastor cole i've i've heard him talk about it he's seen it that he his words were it seems like the devil's having a heyday on god's people right now and he's right he's absolutely right and you know i i talked to my mom about it a couple days ago because she works she works with the public a lot so Mm -hmm. she sees it i'm like you know for, before I get off the phone with you, I just want to ask, have you noticed people acting stranger than normal? I know it sounds weird, stranger than normal, but when you work with the public, that's about <laughs> yeah. the best way you can put it. Yeah. And her emphatically, she came back, yes, yes, very much so. And she said, she's like, I believe, and this is before I really even you know expressed my heart on this, what, what I was leaning to. And she was like, I really think that he's shaking people right now and convicting people. On a wide scale, she's like, I don't know what's coming, but it feels like he's convicting people. And I think what we're seeing is the evidence of what decision they're making. Yes. She said, I think you're seeing a lot of people convicted and pressing into him more. But she said, I think a lot more you're seeing of, of others that are being convicted and they're responding very negatively to the conviction. And you're seeing that expressed outwardly in their physical behavior. Yes. And I hadn't really thought about that. But the more, the more I do think about that, I just can't get that out of my head. And that's really kind of my focus on digging into Daniel 10, that this war around us and what our response to it should be, Yes, right? Because that's exactly. very important. The more the enemy attacks, the more this this increases, we need to understand what our response has got to be Yes, because it matters. It, it really matters. He brings us to this crossroads for a reason, and we have got to make the right choice. We've got to. Yeah. So if you guys don't have anything else, I think that's a good place to take our break. Yep. Sounds good. All right, this week we're going to play a song called El Shaddai by Mason Clover. Great song. It's one of my favorites. I think you're going to like this one. As a reminder to those of you listening, if you have original music you would like us to consider featuring on future episodes of Digging Deeper, be sure and reach out. You can find us on Facebook at our group, Broken Record Ministries, or you can email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. Again, this is El Shaddai by Mason Clover, and be sure to stick around for the other side, and we will dig into Daniel chapter 10, The War above us. Talk at you in a few.
Again, that was El Shaddai by Mason Clover. So as we've said, we're going to be digging into Daniel chapter 10 this week, and actually Micah chose the topic. And our main focus is on the spiritual warfare nature, as we've already discussed. But we're just going to see where this conversation goes, because with with Daniel, it can go a lot of different directions. <laughs> so I think it's important, though, to establish, since we're, we're, we're coming in in chapter 10 here in the middle of something, it's important to establish the context of what's going on. So, so where we come into chapter 10, Daniel's in the period of receiving a series of visions, very apocalyptic visions. And we're not going to get into the, to the, to the prophetic nature too much, I don't think, but they seem to be dual nature. We know that historically they had a historical, a historical, uh, um, what's the word? They happened. Oh my goodness. I'm blanking out on uh, uh, fulfillment. Oh, good grief. <laughs> okay. We'll see how this goes. Yeah. My goodness. I couldn't think of a simple word. They had a historical fulfillment in, in individuals such as Alexander the Great. However, there's terminology used in places like Daniel chapter seven, where it's clearly discussing and end times, what, what we would call to call uh, the antichrist figure. Yes. That, that is, is clearly future context. It establishes that quite clearly. So there is a dual nature to these prophecies and it's very apocalyptic in nature. And he's, he's just come off receiving a vision and an, an explanation for a vision that was very chilling. 
yes. to him. And that's where we come into chapter 10. Yep. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to read this by sections and then just stop each, each section and, and discuss because you can get kind of over, overwhelmed. It can get mm-hmm. a little bit confusing if you, if you go through too quick. So we'll do that. Unless you guys have anything you want to say first, we'll just dive right in. I'll ask you what 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 brought you to Dan, Daniel chapter ten because I approached you, Micah, since yeah. this was gonna, this was going to be your first episode on on Broken Record Ministry since we joined since we joined the podcast. What what brought you to Daniel chapter ten? I gave you about a day or two to think about sure. it, and that's what you came back with. Yeah, and I think that's you know we we talked about it earlier the spiritual warfare that's going on in just people in general, and I'm seeing a lot of that in our world. I'm seeing a lot of that in just our culture and the way that we do things and the way that we handle ourselves, that there's this, this warfare that we don't often think about that's Mm -hmm. out there. And we always want a reason and we try to explain the reason away. And sometimes the reason is a spiritual reason. Right. And, and as I, as I prayed about that, I just, Daniel chapter 10 kept coming to my mind and, and I don't, I'm not sure why, but God kept leading, leading me to this, to this passage about this, this answer that God gives and God gives the answer right away. But, but, but it's delayed Yeah, and not to get too far into it, but, but it's just, and, and so I, as I thought about that, I thought about, you know, the spiritual warfare that we experience in our lives. Sometimes we know about it because we can feel it. You know, those aspects is where we know we're under attack and we we're struggling with things and we know that, that it's the enemy trying to put those doubts and fears in our, in our mind. Yeah. You can feel a heaviness, anxiety, yes. yeah. panic, things like that. It can have, it can have very real physiological effects on you. Yes. Yeah. And I believe there are times that we don't know when the spiritual warfare is happening, mm-hmm. but, but it is mm-hmm. because we see the results of it. You know, we see them later, but, but there's, there's this whole realm that's going on that we don't see all the time. Right. And, mm-hmm. and I think this is a good example and there's lots of applications that we can put into it. And I'm like you, like you said, I think for me, it's more practical than, than prophetic, even though it is a prophetic passage, you know, not to take away from the text. It is, is it a, it definitely is a prophetic passage, but I think there's, there's some definite applications that we can make, make for us today. I agree. Yeah. I'll say, I, I really like the term you used, the, the realm that we might not see, yeah. but it's constantly there. Cause I, I 100% agree with that, that, and in that, and, and the problem, I think what the problem is, is a lot of times that us as Christians, we know that realm, but that realm because of social media, because of Hollywood, it kind of gets lumped in there with like make believe. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you, this, this realm is real. You might not see what's going on in it, but there's only two servants in that realm, servants of God and servants of the devil. So that it's either working God's will or trying to thwart God's will. Yes. And that's like, and I, I don't think people take that seriously enough. Like they just think, oh, you know, and I think a lot of Christians don't take that seriously enough. Like Absolutely. if you believe the Bible is true, then you better believe that this realm is real. Yes. And this, and there's things that happen because he allow because he allows it to like don't don't understand what I'm saying like the demons are allowed to 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 exist in that realm because you you know as well as I do at a snap of a finger he is he's all powerful right yes. so they're allowed to be in that realm but that doesn't mean they're not trying to thwart his plan for your life yeah right you know 
I think, you know, I didn't know if I was going to mention mention this or not, but I will just in passing in in Second Kings chapter six verses sixteen and seventeen, Elisha is 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 being confronted by an enemy army, a, a satanic enemy army. You know, they're they're real people, but they're driven by Satan to 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 take Elisha out essentially, and his servants terrified. And that's a, a point where Elisha said he tells his servant, he said, "Don't be afraid." Greater are they who are with us than those who are against us. And then he prays for his servant's eyes to be opened, and and God answers that prayer, and he sees these chariots of fire, like this angelic heavenly army over this human army attacking him, mm. right? And the servant couldn't see that. All he could see was the physical. All he could mm-hmm. see was the physical realm that Satan was bringing against him. Yep. He couldn't see the supernatural realm that the Most High had sent on his behalf, Right, so it's yeah. there. Even when we can't see it, the servant couldn't see it, so he was afraid because it was invisible to him. As soon as it, it became visible, fear vanished because yes. he knew that the Most High was there to fight on his behalf, but he had to see it first. Yes, mm-hmm. but I think the lesson there is we have to trust that it's we have to trust that He's there for us, even when we can't necessarily see that He's there for us. Yes, yep. absolutely. But also with the understanding that there are those against us that we can't see. Also, yes. yep. so stay armored up, right? right? And and you know. They don't want the message to be shared. No. Not to get too far into but that's that's the key here. One of the keys. There's lots of keys here, but that's one mm-hmm. of the keys here is they don't want that message to get out. Yeah. Because it's detriment to the plan of God and they don't they're against the plan of God, obviously. Right. They're they're demons and they're angel or they're demonic host. And so they don't want the plans of God to be fulfilled. And so they're gonna do everything in their power to thwart the message. Correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens today. I did well. I 100% think it happens yeah. today. I think the biggest thing is is that it's diluted. Yes. It's misinterpreted. The message. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, there's it's the easiest way to manipulate and it's the easiest way to put people off on it. I yes. Yeah. And that I mean it's almost like it's you're showing a way, but you're showing the wrong way mm-hmm. and, or you're not, you're leaving stuff out or you're, you know what I mean? And, uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that I see right now. And, um, it's hard to interpret which one is the way to follow, but I, I've always learned that peace, peace is, you know, you feel peace about it or you feel um, there's, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that, that feeling of you just know it's right. Yeah. You know? Um, but, uh, the, I was going into this last night and, um, the spiritual battle, like you, like you were saying, like chariots of fire. And like, I have a hard time looking at that. I, I have a hard time, um, not believing it, but it just seeing it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if I was back then and I seen that, you know, I would have hit my, I would have hit my face to the ground. You know what I mean? Just like Daniel did. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not worthy of seeing that stuff. (laughs) Right. right. You know, um, I mean, that's, that would be crazy. Overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. it would be, you know? And, um, I, like me, I, I know battles go on every single day. And I know that the devil or demons or whoever is on that side, 
um, tries to manipulate everybody every day and uh, tries to throw you off track and tries to give you a different path to lead. And that's that's always my go-to because it's a path this way or it's a path this way. It's always one way or the other. Yeah. It's God's way or the world's way. And it veers off so much mm. that it's like a river, you know, yeah. and there's different streams to go this way or that way. And that's kind of just my analogy of it. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, you know, going back to what you said about it being diluted, I think the most, the, the most dangerous lie is the lie mixed with a little truth. Yes. Yeah. Cause it's, it makes it so much more difficult to discern it. Yeah. I guess, which is why he gives us his word. We've got to test everything that we're being told against everything that he has to tell us. I mean, you go back to even where the devil used it against Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, he used scripture to try to manipulate. Yeah, ripped it out of context. You know what I mean? And that, if he's even trying to use that on Jesus, I mean, we we ain't no match. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, physically, mentally, spiritually, I mean, the only way that we can is God within us. Exactly right. Yes. You know, and that's, I, it scares the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know if you had a thought. You looked over, you just shifted, then you looked over at me. No, like, 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 I shifted super like, insightful. Uh, well, was, no, no, I'm, uh, I'm okay. waiting for the. To start to start oh, I see. You're getting oh. impatient. That's oh. what no, no, I'm not. I'm just. <laughs> no, my, I ain't got nothing else to say. No, it's fine. <laughs> Starting in verse one, Chris he, wants to start talking. He's already on get 12. This show on the road. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel. Chapter, make me say it. Full speed ahead. <laughs> Daniel chapter ten, verse one. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict. But he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did, did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold... Actually, I'm going to stop there. We'll get to the vision here in a second. I want to clarify some things before we do. Um, mourning there is the Hebrew abal, and it means to lament or bewail. It's actually a term utilized when they would uh, they they would have professional mourners come in sometimes when there was a death, and they would it was it was a very outward physical physical show. They would they would tear their clothes, they'd wear sackcloth, put ashes on, wail, lament. That's the word that it uses here when it describes what Daniel's doing. I think it does a good job of defining that when it talks about this fast. Yes. It was a very it was it was it wasn't just an inward mourning. He was mourning outwardly. Yep. And I think that goes and he did this for a twenty one day period. Yes. And I think this goes back to the vision that he had just had in from chapter seven on yes. and the explanation for it because we Dan, chapter 10 starts right on the heels of him being explained that this vision is in relation to this antichrist figure that's going to do some pretty horrific stuff. There's a, there's a messianic prophecy in there as well, but it also, it also comes packaged with this antichrist figure that's going to bring some, some pretty terrible things yes. to Daniel's people and to the world. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I believe he's mourning over that specifically. Yes, I agree. 
And what I find interesting too, and you'll see this as we move forward, these are visions from God. These aren't visions from the enemy. These are visions from God. And they didn't always bring, you know, peace and good feelings. Yes. These visions brought terror sometimes. Yeah. Terror that didn't last just for five minutes, that, that went on for a, a long period of time. He goes on a long period of time here where he's outwardly lamenting and bewailing and mourning. Yes. Based upon the vision he received from God. So it's it's a little bit of of a misconception that that anything from God will always bring this this warm fuzzy feeling inside. Sometimes when he shows you something it it may bring some fear. We see that with Abraham. I forget I forget what chapter that's in but Abraham he he shows him this this darkness, this future of what's going to happen. I think he's I think Abraham saw what Daniel is seeing here essentially the same period of Jacob's trouble, right? Sorry, I'm I'm getting into the weeds on the prophecy. I'm just trying to explain the context, sure. but it 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 says that it terrified Abraham. Yeah. So it can bring fear, right? And just to clarify that, I, I want to read one verse from chapter eight, Daniel, the end of chapter eight, after he receives this vision that was explained in chapter nine. It says, Then I, Daniel, was exhausted and sick for days. Yeah. The vision he received from God made him exhausted and sick for days. What I find interesting, you remember a couple of weeks ago, Sonny, we were we were digging into Manasseh, mm-hmm. and there was only one word that you were going to ask me about oh, yeah. and treated him. Yep. And I I went back just to just to tell you, so that's so cool. I went back on the editing, and I hadn't even caught that you said that you would you had been doing the research like at ten thirty the night before. Yeah. So you were up late, and that's when you came to that word, and you're like, oh, I want to ask him about that. Yeah. I got up. I went to bed. And then I got up and I'm like, ah, I need to dig into some stuff and see if there's any notes I need to take. It was about the same time that I got up and then came to that same word. I'm like, I think I better write a note down on this. Yep. So about the same time you were doing your research, he was pressing me to write that note down. That's awesome. This word for sick here is the same Hebrew word. Really? It's the exact same Hebrew <laughs> word used to describe what Manasseh did with entreating God. So when it says that Daniel was sick, it uses that same Hebrew word, which we had defined as being grieved to the point of making yourself sick. So this vision from God had the same effect on Daniel that the, that the Assyrian captivity had on Manasseh. Just to put into context um, how painful this vision was for, for Daniel to receive. It wasn't easy. So Right. And I mean, you go back to the Manasseh. I mean, he was grieving all the things that he had done. Mm-hmm. He was being convicted of everything that he'd done by God, you know, wrong by God. Yes, all the uh, idols, the murderers, the, I mean, he even went to, you know, sacrificing his own son, you know, grieving that. And that's what that vision did to him. Yeah. You know, that's intense. Very intense. That puts it into a different perspective. Yeah. For real. And I also, before we go on, this is why I stopped there, because remember that this is the 24th day of the first month. I think that's important for what we're going to read next. So before we discuss further, I want to read this next part. I want to to finish verse five. I lifted my eyes and looked and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches, his arms and feet like the gleam of polished bronze and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. I'm going to stop there. There's a lot of debate on what Daniel sees here. Yes. I don't think there should be, personally. Me neither. I, I, 
I'm just going to say it. I believe this is Jesus. He sees a vision of Jesus here. A lot of people try to twist things and and say that this is the same figure we're going to see down here in verse 10. Uh, I don't think that fits with the narrative we're seeing here, especially when we when we continue reading and see the effect that this vision has on Daniel compared to the uh, the the lack of effect that this this angelic entity has on Daniel when he speaks to him face to face. If you go to back to Revelation, the same description of Christ is listed here. Yeah, chapter one. Yes, mm-hmm. Revelation chapter one. It's extremely similar. Yes, you have to split hairs to to create differences in how how Daniel's language is extremely similar to John's language. Yes. I think we're just seeing differences between the Hebrew and the Greek. Yeah, but right. they're seeing the same the yes. same individual here. I I don't see how you can view this as anything other or anyone other than Jesus. And how long of a period are we talking from the time of Daniel to the time of John? About four hundred years, right? Between four and five hundred, I could do the math. You can do the math because in in chapter nine he gets the seventy weeks prophecy, and when you do the math from the Babylonian captivity, you come exactly to cavalry. Yeah, you can do the math precisely. So same description, different language, Mm -hmm. and not to get too far ahead, but the response that Daniel has can only be a response related to Christ. I agree. Right, it's response coming into the presence of the Most High. Yeah, he would not respond that way. If it's, if it's another, because most likely, because right. again, we're getting too far ahead probably, okay. <laughs> but, but again, the angel, because if that would happen, if it was another, just angel of the Lord, the angel would have stopped him because the angels do that all the time. They, they refuse worship because they realize that worship is reserved, reserved for the most high. Yes. Right. So That's a it, great so point. If it, so if it was just an angelic host, just yeah. a, a messenger of God, then he would have refused that worship. Yeah, let, let me read to... Sorry. No, yeah. you're good. Like I almost did anyway. Let me read to verse 9, yeah. and then we'll stop, and then we'll discuss this. So starting in verse 7, it says, this is after this vision. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. Again, we see a vision from the Most High causing fear. Yeah. Mm. And, well, uh, I was going to say... A vision for Daniel, but they didn't even see this, and, and it, it still was, and it was enough to cause them yes. fear. Yeah, yeah. And remember, this is in the context of seeing Jesus, right? So this idea that Jesus always, always just gives you this warm, warm, cuddly, fuzzy feeling, like the Chosen series shows, isn't necessarily accurate. Right. If this is Jesus, he can cause dread too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I liken this to like somebody telling you about a bad dream that they had, and like you getting a sinking feeling in your pit of your stomach, but like multiply that times a hundred. Right. Like Daniel's not even telling them what's going on and they're all, they feel it. Yeah. It's so intense. Do they see his reaction to it? You know what I mean? Do they see his facial expressions, his body language, you know, how he's reacting to it? Yeah. Did that scare them? I think they could just feel it in the air. Yeah. I really do. And I, I believe it causes dread personal opinion, very eisegetical, but I believe that it causes dread based upon the context of the vision. I think they're seeing Jesus in the context of judgment because he is a judge too, and he is going to come back to judge the world and it's not going to be a pleasant experience. And I think that's what they're seeing in the context of this vision. They're seeing him in the context of a a judge, I believe. Verse eight. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me for my natural color turned to a deathly pallor and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. 
stop there. And again, like Micah said, he he falls in in prostrate like worship. Yes, he, mm-hmm. he falls to worship, and nowhere is he stopped from doing this or chastised. And and Micah's correct. Every single time you find somebody that reflexively falls to worship an angel, they always correct them. Yes, always. Mm-hmm. I'm just a servant like you. Yep. Stand up. I'm yep. just a servant like you. They always correct. Yes, you don't see that here. Um, also, the word for vision is mara. And it is, it can be translated as like literally like a looking glass. It's always in the context of a, of a prophetic vision. Yes. That's another reason that I, I don't believe this is the same as the, the, the entity that we see talking face to face with Daniel starting in verse 10, because that's not a vision. That's, that's, that's an angel physically in his presence talking to him. Right. However, when he sees Jesus here, it calls it a vision. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's seeing a vision here. Right, he's not. He's not physically in the in the presence speaking to him. He's seeing it like through a mirror. Yeah, is what he's seeing here. Is how it describes this in the language. Also, backing up, this was on the twenty fourth day of the first month. Does any do any of you guys know when Passover is biblically? April. Well, on the 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 biblical calendar. Oh, yes, same, it does. It does float from. It happens. From, yeah. It happens in the third week of the first month. Mm-hmm. Right. It yeah. would be. This would be the beginning of, I can't remember the beginning or the middle of Passover. He would have been fasting throughout the Passover season. Right. Passover is a, is the 15th day of the first month biblically. And it's, it's, it's succeeded by the seven days of unleavened bread, mm. which means in the context here, Daniel was mourning and fasting throughout the Passover season. And then I believe sees a vision of the Passover lamb directly after that. I don't oh, think wow. that's accidental. Yeah. I really don't. I think all of the imagery here, the reason I point that out, I think everything points to this being Jesus and this yes. vision here. Because at that time too, I mean, no, during this Passover time, nobody would have been doing, doing this. No, like he's doing like the complete opposite of what everybody else would be doing at the time. Yeah. And he's right? in captivity too, as well. So he's in Persia. So it's not like he right. can, he can really do the Passover the way optimally you should right right or the way we're commanded to mm-hmm. it's he's he's in babylon well he's in persia right. but you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. but i think he's mourning based upon this vision he sees okay. but you're absolutely right and but he he's still just eating bread so you could still he's he could still do passover mostly correct except for the not eating meat part okay because evidently he didn't eat a lamb Right, because it says that he didn't eat meat or anything like that. Right. Right. So he just he just drinks water and and tasteless food, mm-hmm. like it's a it's a full blown fast. Yeah. Okay. Like a self deprecating fast. To to and you use that word in the top half, self deprecating. Self deprecating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I will say too that I I I kind of and and for no other reason than it it just intrigued me. Um, there's different, you know, there's different uh, translations of this, but mine was. And I use no lotions until all of the three weeks were over. I think there's other versions that say I, I did not anoint my body with no oils. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to remember while, like, not only was it stuff that he was intaking into his body, it was also things like, so at this time there was, they used oils and salves and stuff on their skin to protect from the wind burn and the sun burn. And so it was, it wasn't always, it, I don't think that he necessarily stopped washing himself, but any other facet beyond any kind of other, I guess the word would be hygiene 
beyond that would soothe his body, mm-hmm. he neglected himself to. Yeah. So it's just like more than just what he was intaking, what he was doing, what they did at that time to soothe their body. So, yeah. I mean, it's like a complete full body fast, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Starting in verse 10, then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. High esteem there is from the Hebrew kamad, and it means desired or coveted. find that really interesting. The Most High, Abba Yad, describes Daniel as coveted, mm. beloved, highly desired. That's interesting. Yeah. I think he would be highly coveted for both sides. I mean, if you could, if you could turn Daniel at this point in time, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's, I think that's worth noting. I mean, it's, you'd be highly coveted on both sides. Why do you think he was highly desired? By the Most High, setting the enemy aside. Why do you think Abba Yah considered him coveted, desired, greatly beloved? I just think because of his, I think of his devout faith at this point to God, yeah. that he kept his faith through captivity, through all of the, all of the stuff that was going around him. You know the, you know even so much as down to the, you know his dietary needs when, when, you know, when, when, the, when he was very first put into captivity, you know, he was tested then and all the way through and he passed with flying colors, I guess. Yeah. So God knew his heart. It's a heart of genuineness, a heart of sensitivity. I think that's where God wants us to be is in that mode where we're, you know, we've been going through being kind, you know, that Ephesians four thirty one. It says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted. I don't think we're tenderhearted enough to, to the things of God and sensitive to the things of God. I think Daniel was. Mm-hmm. I think his heart was was genuine. It's proven that, you know, because later he'll be thrown in the lion's den and all, and all that. But, I mean, he'll, he'll prove his faithfulness and he'll prove that his, his love, his love for the Lord and his devotion for the Lord. And I think God knew his heart. I think it's the same aspect that you look at when you see Mary, you know, when— God delivers the message that she's going to deliver a child and he says he calls her highly favored. Yeah. You know, highly favored one above above everybody else. You know, you think of Noah. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because Noah was faithful, you know, in the midst of evil. Yeah. And you see that throughout the scriptures, all, all the way throughout mm-hmm. throughout the scriptures, the that people are singled down. I think God knows God knows the heart. Mm-hmm. So the challenge for us is where's our heart? Do we yeah. have a heart sensitive and genuine to God? And that comes with what we talked about earlier, listening to him, following him, listening to those promptings that he gives us and listening to, to what God has to say. Yeah, I think verse 12, which we're about to read, kind of sums up the reason he is so sought after. I agree. I And I'm not going to read verse 12 yet because I want to read that packaged in with okay. verse 13 because that's where we're going to kind of shift our focus a little bit. But it does say that he humbled himself. Said you uh, on humbling yourself before God is right. what my translation says. I was say mine mm-hmm. was set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God. Yeah, there's really no other way to translate that. It's a na in Hebrew, mm-hmm. and it's it's to afflict yourself or to bring yourself low. 
is what it means. Yeah. You know, it, it not necessarily physically, it has a physical word picture attached to it, but it's spiritually bring yourself low in the presence of the most high, similar to what Manasseh did. We saw mm-hmm. that's why Abba Yah responded to him was because he greatly humbled himself. He brought himself low. He self-afflicted. I want to read something from chapter nine real quick. So I think we get a picture in chapter nine in Daniel's prayer of what Daniel's heart was and why it is that he was highly esteemed, why he was coveted by the most high and, and what it looks like to greatly humble yourself to, to, if, if we want to be desired by the most high, and I think we all do, right. You know, in our heart, we really want him to desire us. Like he desired Daniel, Daniel's prayer exhibits the sort of heart that causes that, right. Causes the most high to desire us. Well, he's looking at that verse. I think anytime you encounter God, I know anytime you encounter God, you're humbled. You think of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, yeah. you know, he encounters the most high with this glorious figure and he says, woe is me. I'm, un, I'm undone. I'm undone. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm amidst a people of unclean lips. You know, you think of Paul on the road to Damascus where God blinds him for three days because he, he encounters the glory, the glory of God. And, you know, here and all throughout the scripture, when we encounter the most high, we're, we're humbled. It should we, humble it us. It should humble us. Correct. Yes. yes. Because we realize who we are. Yeah, Absolutely. So it's chapter nine, Daniel chapter nine, and I'm going to start in verse four. It says, I prayed to Abiyah, my God, and confessed and said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Starts off with praise. The very first thing he does when he prays to the Most High is start off with praising him and acknowledging who he is. Then he says this, we have sinned. Mm. We, not they. They've sinned, God. No, he doesn't say we. The great prophet Daniel, we have sinned, committed iniquity, acted wickedly, and rebelled, even turning aside from your commandments and ordinances. He's including himself here. Yes. Moreover, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. What interests me here, Daniel is a prophet but it doesn't seem like he views himself as one. Right. He views the other prophets greater than himself. You see his heart here. He has a heart for his people. He includes his own sin. He confesses his own sin with the people. He has a heart for his neighbors because he's worried about what's going to happen to them if they don't repent. And if he views the other servants of the Most High as greater than himself. Mm. Righteousness belongs to you. Oh, sorry. Verse 7. Righteousness belongs to you, O Lord, but to us, open shame, as it is this day. To the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away in all the countries to which you have driven them because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against you. Saying, we deserve this. Total humility. We don't deserve anything from you, but I'm asking anyway. <laughs> we don't deserve it, but I'm begging you. Have mercy. I'm going to skip down to... Verse 16, and I'll finish this prayer out from there. O Lord, in accordance with all your righteous acts, not our righteous acts, your righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to all those around us. He's not blaming anybody else. He's not blaming the Most High. He's not blaming the nations that came against him. He's saying, we did this. We did this to ourselves. 
So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications, and for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name, for we are not presenting our supplications before you on account of any merits of our own, but on account of your great compassion. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. Stop there. That's the heart of somebody that is highly desired and coveted by the Most High. Yeah. You know, a heart for your neighbor, a heart that confesses, a heart that views others as greater than yourself. That's why Daniel was highly coveted by the Most High. If we want that, that's what we have to emulate. Yes. And it has to be real and not fake. It can't be a mask that we wear to try to trick God. <laughs> right. You won't trick him. It's got to be a heart condition. Yep, exactly. All right, back to chapter 10, starting in verse 12. Then he, the, the angel that's talking to him, which is debatable who this is. I tend to lean toward Gabriel, but since Gabriel was named earlier, but we're not told, so it may not be. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words but the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. Then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. Stop there. Pretty sure that was your focus when you picked yes. chapter 10, correct? Yes. I think, I think, you know, we have to understand that God is sovereign, first and foremost. He's the Almighty. He is sovereign. So nothing happens outside of his control. And so I've seen some passages and some commentaries that say, well, and we get this mindset that the devil is allowed sometimes to to hinder our prayers. Well, he's only allowed that with permission from the most high. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of Job, I know we use Job's example a lot. And and I used to, I, I think one of the things that drew me to this passage is I used to think of it wrong because you think, well, man, if, if a devil can, if the, if a demon or a devil can, hinder my prayers, then what's what's the deal? You know, that they're, they're intercepting the, these prayers. Well, it's only under the control of the Most High. And and so and so we think you think of Job, you know, Job originally was Satan was allowed to not attack his body. Then you get to chapter two, he's allowed to touch his body but not kill him. And so there are definite limitations in what Satan is allowed to do. And so I think first of all we have to understand that this delay, this 21 delay is for a purpose. And I, and I believe the purpose is to do exactly what Daniel was doing. He was fasting. He was praying. He was genuinely seeking the most high. And I think there are things in our, in our world today that should draw us to fast and pray, Mm, genuinely fast and pray because we don't do that enough. And I think, I think, part of this, and this is just, like I said, this is more application, I guess, mm-hmm. than actual, you know what, I mean, I think you can draw it out of the passage, but for me, the application is how often do I really fast and pray? I think my prayer life's pretty good. I mean, you know, the humble brag, maybe I guess, but I mean, I, th- I think, but to, to the fasting part, you know, when was the last mm-hmm. time I genuinely fasted to consult the most high and genuinely went to him? And, and I, I don't do that enough. And I think, the delay for 21 days, obviously it's a purpose. And I think the purpose is to do exactly. So he recognizes twofold. One, he recognizes that he needs to, you know, draw fast and pray to God. Mm -hmm. 
And secondly, he needs to realize the magnitude of the message because, right. because the magnitude of the message, like you said earlier, is intense. It's not something, it's not a feel good, fluffy message from, from the most high. This is a message of intense judgment that's going to happen. It's very serious stuff yes. with wide and, reaching implications. Yes. And he needed, he needed to understand the magnitude, which is, which he did understand it because verse one says he already did understand it. He heard that he saw the vision. He understood it. That's why he went into this fast and mm -hmm. he went into this morning because he was perplexed and sick. Like we talked about earlier about what's going on. And so, so I think it's important for us to understand that there is a spiritual battle that, that we, are, we are facing. There's a spiritual struggle. You know, Paul talks about that. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and mm -hmm. all these, you know, mm -hmm. angelic beings, angel rankings is what those are. You know, Satan has an army. Yeah. He says, put on the whole armor of God so you can withstand the wiles, the trickery, the deceitfulness yep. of, of, of the devil. You know, we've talked about that before. It talks about, yeah. you know, the, the arrows, the flaming yes. arrows. That implies that they can get through. Yes. That Absolutely. you can be hit by arrows from the enemy. And he's talking to believers there. Yes. He's not saying if you're a non-believer, you'll get hit by, by arrows. But if you're a believer, you won't. Yes. He's talking to believers in context there. We can yes. be attacked. Right. If, you know, if we're in the middle of this battlefield, you know, stray arrows can get through. I think it's Peter that talks about, don't think it's strange when evil or trouble, trouble comes to you. Don't think out of it as being strange because the devil's going to attack. And I think when we start growing, then that's where the devil begins to attack. He mm -hmm. begins to attack. He puts those doubts. We talked about it in the first part of the podcast. He puts those doubts in our mind. He puts those, those hindrances. Am I really doing enough? Am I really good enough? Am I really, am I really worthy to walk this, this life? And he puts all those, those lies into our, into our brain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he did that with Job. He whispers, the devil whispers things to Job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we miss that sometimes, but that's a different, different topic. But Daniel's the epicenter. Yes. You know, he's the epicenter of attention for, right, at this point, the most high. He's highly yeah. esteemed by the most high. He's the epicenter for the, the, the messenger that the most high sends to answer him. And he's also the epicenter for the enemy. Yes. The enemy, the enemy is is trying to prevent this messenger from reaching this human being, this singular human being, Daniel. Yeah, he's mm -hmm. the enemy is is using military resources, spiritual military resources, to stop a message from reaching Daniel. It's a, it's an attack upon Daniel, and honestly, part of part of this soul sickness that Daniel's feeling may be a result of spiritual attack too. Yes. Because I think there are times when you can receive a message from the Most High and then the enemy's going to hit you. Yes. And I think maybe that's partly what Daniel's experiencing here as well. But, you know, that was something that I prayed about recently, you know, when, when, you know, with all this spiritual warfare that I'm seeing ramping up. I'm like, why? Like, why, why is this happening to believers? Why, why, is this, why does it seem like some of the most committed believers I know are experiencing some of the worst attacks? And something that was laid on me, when you're, when you're serving him, you're shining. We always use that metaphor, shining a light. You're like a flashing neon sign to those who are lost in darkness and you stand out. Guess who else you stand out to? Yes. When you're, when you're a flashing neon sign amid darkness, you don't just stand mm -hmm. out to the lost. You stand out to the enemy too. Mm -hmm. And he's going to do everything he can to pop those bulbs and put that light out. Mm -hmm. He does not want you shining in darkness. Absolutely. He's going to attack you. And I think that's what Daniel was here. He was a flashing neon sign for the enemy. The enemy wanted to stop it. Yeah. He wanted to stop it. And you look he, at our, he was, Flashing neon sign for God against the enemy. Exactly mm -hmm. right. Okay, I just I was like, wait a minute. I want to mm -hmm. clarify. Yeah, just to make sure. Right. Yeah. There are good. Well, there are good flashing neon signs. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm not talking well, about a bar sign. Well, <laughs> no. The way that you, you 
the, you said that he was a flashing neon sign for the for the enemy. It, to the enemy. To I the guess enemy. I worded yeah. that wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what I was. I wanted to yeah. be like. Let's, when, yeah. yeah. When you're flashing bright in the dark, the forces of darkness are going to notice yep. too. Yeah. Right. And Sorry, I, I, I think it's to... I think it's kind of um, it's a coincidence that he, the the angel was held back for how long he was fasting. Exactly yeah. the same amount of time. You're right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Twenty one days. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I think the purpose was. Yeah, and so he fasted until the devil couldn't hold on any longer. And then that 21st day, that's when his faith, his humbleness, his dedication paid off. Yeah, was rewarded. And, you know, for the angel to say exact date, you know, exact Mm -hmm. time frame of how long he's been fasting, that was kind of... I don't know. Yeah. That stuck out to me. It's yeah. it's funny that you that you bring that up because I was actually going to round back to the to the fasting, and and what Micah said that that not enough Christians are on that because I think fasting has become like mainstream weight loss. Mm-hmm. So when pe- when you say fasting, people just think, oh, I'm on a certain diet, or I'm restricted from eating carbs, or I'm I can only eat during a certain portion of the day. That's why beginning of this, I said it's important to remember that he, 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 he did things that that are outside of just eating. So he was depriving his physical body to attain more spiritual connection. I think that plays in with what you said was where the deeper he deprived his physical form, the stronger his spiritual connection got. Mm-hmm. I think that's where like us as Christians, it can, it can be if you just take on a bread and water fast, but I think it can also be what else in your life can you fast from that might be pulling you away from God? Is it video games? Is it, uh, you know, going out with your friends after work? Is it your weekend activities, the things that you would, you would deny yourself physically that would bring you, closer to him spiritually and fasting. I think that's, we, I think you're right. I think we miss what fasting is all about. Right. The point. Yes. Because we think that, you know, so often we think, well, fasting is just going without food or it's some kind of diet like you talked about, but fasting always has a purpose. You know, I'm going to deliberately skip my hour lunch today because I need to spend this time in prayer because I have a need, because there's something going on in my, in the, in our world and our family and our, and so I'm going to deliberately take my lunch hour today and I'm going to go without food for the purpose of consulting God. And I think fasting always has a purpose. It's not just, okay, I'm fasting today. I'm going without food and I'm not doing a whole lot other than going without food. Mm-hmm. It always, it always serves a purpose. And I think mm-hmm. that's sometimes where we miss it. Right. And I mean, Back then, you know, they didn't have all the things that we have today, you know, all the distractions, all the distractions, all, I mean, the big bowl of candy, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I mean, kind of, yeah, because I mean, you have a big bowl of candy that, I mean, you know, you know, we're sitting here looking at the Bible on phones, you know, and this is a complete distraction. You know, if I, if I just set this down and picked up my Bible at least once a day, Mm. that would probably be 
huge for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's hard to do that. Yeah, right? it really is. I, 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 it's funny. I, I, I re- watched something recently where a pastor did a social experiment. He went out and, and uh, as people were coming, you know, going, coming and going in his town, he would stop random, not only random people, but people from his congregation. And he'd say, Hey, let me see your cell phone. And then, Hey, right here, pull it out of their pocket. Boom. Right there. Let me see your Bible. Uh, it's in my car. You know, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we, we carry these supercomputers around in our pockets, but we, we and, and I get, and I get to, the, you know, a lot of people, there's people that, well, my Bible's here on my phone. But I think the 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 point of the social experiment was, you know, we we always leave, we never leave home without our phone, but sometimes we leave home without God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, it's good. My friend in Tennessee, he does two media fasts a month, a year. Yeah. One, he does no news media, or no mm. no media May. And then he does no news November. So he always teases me. He's like, if, if the, if the world collapses, then let me know because I won't, because he, and he tries to stay off all yep. social media, all, and he doesn't watch any news. And I, I and haven't he, watched the news and I don't know how long. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, I stopped too. Yeah. I, yeah I used to be a news junkie. Yeah. And I don't, I don't watch the news at all anymore, but mm-hmm. you know, social media, I'm on, yeah. it, I'm on it quite a bit, but like the news just, it's horrible. You know, yeah. it's nothing but bad news and horrible stuff going on and lies and manipulations. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I it don't all, even, I don't even care anymore. That's if my I, advantage is I'm not on social media. So yeah. yeah and probably wise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I mean, if I, you know, want to know the weather, I get on the weather app. Yeah. So. The news tends to keep us distracted from the communities God has it planted in. Yes. He plants us in our communities to flourish there to cultivate that field. And the mm-hmm. news keeps us so focused on, you know, a capital half a country away. Yeah. And it's, it's a game. I think, I think it's just a tool to keep us, to keep us busy. Just exactly. one more way. The enemy keeps us mm-hmm. busy and distracted from the things of God. Yeah. Not to sound cliche, but it's one of the many tools of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really honestly is. You're right. Yeah. You know, the news, I mean, going back to, you know, the pandemic and everything else look at the toilet paper situation you know what i mean yeah it, the effect that it had on people panic, psychologically yeah absolute panic you know i mean worst case scenario rewash a rag <laughs> yeah well, you know what i mean i mean if it is that a, i'm sorry but i'm not going to worry about toilet paper that much i mean god somebody invented toilet paper that was a a commodity that you know whatever mm-hmm. happened but i i'm sorry I, th- I think i think the the more the more prophetic and this is kind of getting off into the weeds sorry of, of that whole thing was was the heart condition that people were in it's i don't think it was really about the toilet paper i think you could take toilet paper and replace it with anything yeah. it was the fact that people's hearts were I am not going to let somebody else have something that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, I think that's the underlying issue of the heart where, you know, we're called to be generous. And if we have something that somebody doesn't have, we share that, you know, whether it be food, money, knowledge, clothing, whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's the underlying issues. If you take toilet paper out of that and replace it with anything, it's the, yeah, the, wanting to snatch something outside of somebody else's hands because you might not have it. I think that whole period, that whole situation just 
demonstrated how truly godless our society is, yes. even in the churches. And it even was in publicized. The yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was publicized and shown and, you know, and that's, that's the tool of the devil. I mean, that's the tool of, Hey, look how ridiculous you look. Yeah. You know, look how far away from God you are. And I think that's why God allowed it. That was, yeah. that was the other thing I was going to say. I think that was God's way of the most highest way of giving us a wake up call that look, you've deceived yourselves into believing that showing up to a service every Sunday made you, <laughs> yeah. you know, good yeah. and godly and righteous. And look how easily, look how easily all of that was stripped away from you. Yeah. One panic, one scare, you know, you know, one figure on the news to tell you you should be terrified mm-hmm. and your faith evaporated, yeah. evaporated mm-hmm. overnight. And that's a problem. And it's a problem we haven't corrected yet. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think that's the key. Yeah. The news media wants you to live in chaos and fear. They thrive on that because then they can manipulate you or think they can manipulate you to do what you want. And the Bible clearly says God's not the author of confusion. He's not the mm-hmm. author of chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a, he's a God of order. Yeah. And so not that doesn't mean that everything has to be structured and, and formatted, but he's he's not he's not a God that, once chaos. Yeah. Right. So when we're chaotic and we're fearful and we're, and obviously we're not following the most high when we're in those, those situations. Correct. And I forgot the scripture, but, um, going back to what God said or how have I not clothed mm. the birds mm-hmm. or, and what do you think I'll do for you? Yeah. You know, I mean, that goes back to faith. It's Matthew chapter six, right? Yes. I think yeah. so. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, God, God's got us. It doesn't, there's so many different ways to be able to go around not having something, you know, there's so many things that we live with today that we don't actually need. Mm -hmm. We don't need them. (laughs) We don't have to have them to survive. And that's a lot of people think that they have to have a phone to survive. You don't have to have a phone. You know, you, have to have a certain name brand clothes or you have to have a certain hat or, you know, car or, you know what I mean? Like there's, and we don't actually, I mean, you need a car, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing is God, God's got us and he provides for us. And yes, you know, even in some aspects, he provides what we actually want, not what we need, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're faithful and we're servants of him and everything else. He'll actually sometimes give us what we want. He does that for Daniel. Daniel was, Daniel was placed in a pretty comfortable spot realistically. And he was taken care of throughout his life. But we also see with these visions that he was expected to carry that came with an expectation. God wanted him to serve him. Right. right. And sometimes that took some sacrifice, yeah. but I do think that's, that's one of the things that Daniel exemplifies here is that all he, all he needed and all he ultimately wanted was God. Yes. Yeah. That's what he shows despite all the luxury that Daniel had access to all he truly desired was the most high. And he proves that through his prayer and he proves that through this morning and this fasting, because what, what I find interesting is he doesn't actually ask for anything here. Yeah. He's already mm-hmm. received the vision and then he asked for understanding And we saw that in chapter nine, Gabriel comes and gives him understanding of the vision. And then it says, when you back up in chapter 10 here, it says that he had an, he had an understanding of the vision. Mm -hmm. And then it goes right into, he went through this 21 period, 21 day period of mourning. It doesn't say he actually asked for anything. 
he goes through this fast, but he doesn't actually ask for anything. What I find interesting, even though he didn't ask the Most High for anything, the first day he started fasting, the Most High sent a response to him. Yep. He didn't even ask him for anything. Yep. And the Most High still chose to move on his behalf. And all Daniel had to do was wait for the message to get there, which is a lesson for us. You know, sometimes we have to wait. It's not yes. because the Most High isn't listening. Yes. It's not because we have to we have to fast to convince the Most High to respond. Sometimes He just wants us to wait for the message He's already sent, yeah. or for the for the answer that's already been put into place, but we can't see actualized yet. Sometimes He's already set the circumstances in motion to respond to our request. We just don't see it in our. We don't see it manifested for us physically yet. Yeah. Right. And we just need to show that kind of faith that Daniel had that we're willing to wait for him. Yeah. Right. Without turning into a spoiled brat because we didn't get the response exactly when we wanted it. And oh, I'm going to take my ball and go home, God. Right. Well, you know, if Daniel had done that, he might have called out to who, whatever angel this was and said, yeah, just come back. Yep. <laughs> Don't even bother. <laughs> I'll send I'll send it to a different prophet. Mm. It is very likely what could have happened, you know. And yeah. but Daniel waited. He patiently waited for the most high to respond. Yes. He may not have liked it. You know, we're not told that Daniel enjoyed the process or that he was super happy about it, but he did wait. He was faithful. And it takes me back to what you said in the top half, Chris. It has to go beyond just a a decision. The decision has to lead to a commitment. And that's what we see with Daniel here. He made a decision for the Most High. He discipled and he remained committed to that decision. Although he wasn't perfect, he says that in his prayer that I read earlier. He confesses our sins. You know, Daniel, Daniel, I don't believe Daniel says we sin just to be humble. I think he says we sin because he's looking back on mistakes he's made. He's looking back at times where he disobeyed, where he broke commandments, where he broke faith, where he became weak, where, where, where he sinned willfully and shouldn't have. He's looking back on his life and seeing things that he did that he should not have done. And he says, we sinned. Yeah. We brought this on ourselves. We did this. Mm-hmm. Not they, we. Yeah. And I mean, some of the, the biggest names in the Bible or they admit that they're sinners. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they, they have done wicked things. Even, I mean, according to us, we would never do, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's the thing is like, God uses people that you wouldn't expect. Yes. He completely yes. transforms them. Completely. It's that transformative, well, yeah. you know, just a week ago you were, you know, living frivolously and now you're, and that's like, that's the power of transformation, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Stephanie said something awesome last night. We, we had a, a study on Esther and she said, you know, I think one of the things that Esther shows me is that your past does not have to define your future. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you return to him and you commit yourself to him, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. He can use your future. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't even... let the devil bind you and tether you to the past. He's the one that wants you constantly focused on the mistakes you've yes. made. Yeah. And he can even use your past for the future. Yeah. You know, like he can use the things that you have been through and transform it into a testimony, a story, uh, something that will, you know, implicate somebody else's life and change them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your testimony can become a lighthouse leading someone else out of the same dark place you found yourself in. Yeah. You can, you can become the lifeline to somebody else who's, who's strayed in the same way you did, you know? And I, sometimes I think that's why he allows us to stray looking Mm -hmm. forward as a, as a sovereign omniscient God can, he looks forward to the individuals that we can help that he did. He can use us to pull them out of the muck and mire. 
Which is why we got to stand together. I mean, I think that's important. We're so divided, and the devil wants that dividing. You know, God uses our relationship with him. He equates, and I know Carl and you guys, have t- we've talked about it on the other podcast. I'm not sure if we've talked about it on Broken Records, but mirrors our relationship to the marriage covenant, the marriage mm-hmm. relationship. And, you know, he says from the very beginning, what God has put together, don't let anybody put a wedge in. Don't let anybody <laughs> yeah. divide. Because that's exactly what the devil's going to do is divide the family, divide the mm-hmm. family of, you know, family specifically our families, put a wedge there, get us divided, but also the family of God, the body of believers that come together. He wants to put that wedge in. He wants to drive that, that, that nail and pull, pull that wedge in because if he has us divided, then he can, he's easy or easily or easier manipulated and deceived when we're divided. Absolutely. Before we go into final thoughts, I want to skip down to verse 20, and that's where we'll close out. Verse 20 says, Then he, the angel, said, Do you understand why I came to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia, so I am going forth, and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. We could get into the weeds on who who these demonic entities are. We, we don't really know. You know. We'd have to make assumptions. There are clearly two mentioned here, but I think there's obviously a lot more than just that. My takeaway for that is, the spiritual war over Daniel didn't end when the message came. Yes. He brought the message and he says, once I give you the message, I got to go back. Mm-hmm. This, this war rages on. It's going to continue raging on until the end. I think the, the implication here is this spiritual war over us, this war above us, this war around us, it wages nonstop. Yeah. It wages nonstop. And off, if, if you place yourself under the can, canopy of the most high, there's a good chance you're going to become the epicenter of that war because yes. you're exactly the domino the enemy wants to topple. Yes. Right. Exactly. Um, you serving God doesn't mean that, that ease is in your future yes. on this earth. Mm-hmm. It does not. You are entering a battlefield. Yep. And, you know, we're all in that battlefield, but the enemy is going to attack specifically ones that are a threat to his kingdom. Yep. Exactly. He's not going to attack those who are serving his kingdom. Yep. He's going to attack those who are a threat to it. Mm-hmm. And you have to be mindful of that. This, this, this war rages and you have to have that armor on. You have to, you have to make the choice that Daniel made to remain committed to the most high, even when it was uncomfortable. You have to trust. Let's pull the needle off the record. Final thoughts. Starting with you, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to pull. Um, I'm going to, I guess my final thought, I'm going to kind of paraphrase from, uh, and I, and I don't like to do this normally um, from a celebrity. <laughs> uh, so in an interview, and like I said, I'm paraphrasing, um, this Denzel Washington gave a, a pretty good, you know, if, if the devil's coming after you, you're doing something right. And, you know, a lot of people are like, mm, and he's like, no, 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 let me explain. If you're, as Carl said, if you're a beacon for the devil, he's not, he's going to leave you alone because he's got you right where he wants you. But if you're suffering strong spiritual attacks, it's because you're in the right lane. You're doing something right. and The devil doesn't like it. That's kind of short, but that's where I'm going to leave it. Sonny. Oh, um, I think the biggest part of this is the strength 
that Daniel had. I think um, being able to to put yourself on your face and suffer and go through this vision and to stand up afterwards and keep going, you know, perseverance. And uh, in my life, you know, I've went through a lot of hard things to to where I'm at now. And um, I've been on my face quite a few times. And God's always picked me back up. Always. And, you know, I've, I've went over a couple of different times. You know, I was saved young and went through a, a spell of, you know, being with God and everything and, and then falling on my face and falling on my face. And he's, he's always been there for me, though. And this time, and I'm older, a little wiser, and trying to really get into it. Yeah. <laughs> if you didn't know, I did the whole little, you know, arm move. Yeah, yeah. People, that's what we're giggling at. People can't see that, but he's like, I'm getting there. Oh, like, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm doing it too, because nobody can see it. Is that the Popeye? Is that what got the Popeye? Yeah, I think yeah, it was the Popeye. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, the, I'm so new to getting this deep into scripture mm-hmm. and, you know, last night I sat there and tried to get in, get in, get deep. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of like it, I want, I don't, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but like it entranced me. Like mm-hmm. I was just so focused on getting deeper into it because I knew how far we were going into it. Yeah. I know how Carl and Chris are and, and I knew you yeah. were going to be here today. And I was just like, let's go. <laughs> I got to be prepared. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good reminder about how much is going on outside of our lives and outside of our, our realm. And, uh, it's a good reminder knowing that, you know, God's got our back no matter what, you know, um, whatever we go through, whatever we, we encounter and he's always there. Yep. He's fighting on our behalf. Yep. But that's pretty much my final thought. I've got two. I think any time goes two. on. With, yeah, I know. <laughs> Getting greedy. <laughs> exactly. Well, I was going to say. They're quick. I'm, hope, I'm hoping it kind of comes back around because I'm going to another one. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> see, we'll see, there's, how, we'll there's see a, how time goes. Uh, <laughs> no, you're there's fine. a reason we'll for everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I can get a second one. <laughs> you know, anytime we're serving the Lord, there's going to be attacks because yeah. he does not want the message to get out. Just like he did not want this message in Daniel to get out. He doesn't want our message to get out. What we've talked about doing with broken records, coming together and reaching out to our community and doing some of those things. We're all feeling some of those, some of those attacks because the devil doesn't want that message out. He doesn't want right. that, that message, that message to, to for, go forth. And that's, that's similar to what Chris said. My second thought is, Second final thought is that sometimes God does have us in a waiting period. Sometimes we're praying, we're consulting to him and we're waiting on an answer. We're waiting on an answer and God's answered that, but there's a purpose in the wait. There's a purpose that he wants us to understand. Maybe that is fasting and praying. Maybe that's because he's always drawing us to himself. So maybe that's getting closer to him in the process. And maybe it's just because some other things, are, he's got some other things planned 
that are going to happen happen first, and he wants us to to wait on him. And that aspect of what do we do in that wait? Most of the time we get anxious. Most of the time we get, you know, we, we go off and do our own thing and we go outside of what he wants us to do because we're trying to force something. And sometimes the wait is just, this is a 21-day wait. You know, it's in 21 days of, of the answer hasn't come. That's a long time to be in a period of mourning it is. It and is. anguish. Oh, and, yeah. you know, that's different. You know, that's something that he, that has something that's new to Daniel to experience. Because if you read, like Carl mentioned Chapter seven, eight, nine, he's prayed to God and God's answered right away. He's received yeah. that answer immediately. I mean, he's prayed and the answer's there. Mm-hmm. And even in this case, as we read, he prayed, God sent the answer. But there was a delay in the getting to him. And I think sometimes in that delay, we get anxious and the importance of waiting, waiting on the Lord. Back to Chris. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to pass on my, on my second. Thought. You had everybody so pumped oh, up. So I, I was the riveting it was, moment. It was. was. I, what a letdown. I, well, I You're going to let the podcast end like that? I had, well, you got, you still got your I don't have a very thought. good one though. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it was kind of a, a thought formulated in my head. And I don't really know how to, I don't know really how to put it down on paper, so to speak. But I think it's, it's one of the, it's important to remember that, um, you know, the, the people around Daniel felt what was happening, even though they couldn't see it and Daniel could. And I think it's important to remember that God doesn't always give us the same tools. So instead of, if somebody comes to you and is telling you things are happening, don't discount what's happening to them because they're not happening to you. Mm. Because Mm. I've, (laughs) I've heard people that, that have, that have dreams or have, visions or be put down because not everybody has those, but they shouldn't be discounted because if you, if you listen to those people and you really try to feel what they're saying, you'll, you'll feel it. Like, like the people around Daniel felt it. It's strong. It's palpable. And I only say that because I've been in that situation or I've had somebody tell me something that most everybody else would scoff at, but because I surrendered to the, to the notion that that's, that's what's happening. You can feel it. It's there. Yeah. Well, I don't have a penultimate final thought. I just got one. (laughs) So we talked a lot in the first half about decision points, right? The, what I view the purpose of, sorrow, suffering, spiritual warfare is to bring you to that, to that decision point. We see Daniel's response to the decision point, right? We read his prayer when, you know, we, we saw his humbling, his mourning, his fasting. We saw that response, but then there's a, an opposite response. Like we had discussed, we're seeing evidence that I think people are making the wrong choice at that decision point over the conviction. And I think we see this exemplified really poetically in Jeremiah. So in Jeremiah chapter 18, this is when he receives the, the message about the potter and the clay, you know, that God is the potter and he forms us like clay. And when there's a, when, when there's a defect, he may crush us to remake us again, to, to make us proper. It's a picture of that discipline. But then he comes to these people who reject the discipline. And he says in verse 11, So now then speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. 
oh, turn back each of you from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. He's saying punishment's coming. Consequence is coming. And even in the midst of all that evil, he says, turn back to me. Yes, It's all you have to do. Just turn back to me and repent. And they say, it's hopeless for we are going to follow our own plans and each of us will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. Mm. It's hopeless, they say. Right after the Most High says, all you have to do is return to me. All you have to do is turn back. And they say, it's hopeless. That's an excuse. They know it's not hopeless. He just told them it's not hopeless. But they're so committed to their evil, it comes back to that word, commitment. Mm. They're not committed to the Most High. They're not committed to what's right. They're committed to the plans of their own evil heart. And they make excuses to commit themselves to that evil. We have got to make the right choice. We've got to commit ourselves to him because if we don't, calamity is on the other side of it. I don't know what's coming, but I know there's more to this storm than just spiritual warfare. We have got to turn back to him, and I mean now. That's all I got. That was my final thought. You got a third one, Chris? (laughs) You're going to really wow us? No, I won't wow it, but it, it... He does have a third one. Oh, okay. No, no, I do, but I'm not. I'm going to save it. Oh, you're going to save it. Well, that would mean that doesn't work. No, it's you, not a final it, that won't thought. be a, a third final thought. That would no. be just a different, like a random it, thought. It's a random a thought. That's episode. what it is. It's a random thought, oh, and okay. I don't want to make it into, like, I don't want to try and like shove it into a final thought. Yeah, I'll put it on open discussion next week. I think so. You better write it down because you'll I, forget. Yeah, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to text everybody before I leave. There you go. Okay. There we go. To all of you out there in podcast land, we want to thank you so much for listening. We hope it's been a blessing. For any questions, comments, or feedback, you can find us on Facebook at Broken Record Ministries, or you can email us at brokenrecordministries at gmail.com. Again, this has been Digging Deeper, a publication of Broken Record Ministries, and we will catch you on the flip side. Shalom. God bless. See